0: because you might ask like all right if the asset managers are paying the index providers for a service they're out, you know they're delegating all this authority about where to allocate capital to these other companies why not just create their own indices why not why doesn't blackrock just go over the head of S&P 500 and create The BlackRock 500, why doesn't Vanguard do that? Why doesn't State Street do that? The problem here goes back to that point we talked about before about authority, reputation, trust. BlackRock and these asset managers simply cannot build the kind of reputation and trust that's needed to garner authority if they're creating their own indices because that starts looking like way too much conflict of interest, right? Outsourcing that to other independent companies, they're able to allow these brand managers like S&P, like MSCI, like FTSE Russell to create products that have authority. And then they just pay a little bit of a fee to do that. But that, that that's a good trade off for them. But at the same time, they're constantly being consulted by these indexes. So their thoughts, their interests their values are represented in the creation of these indices.
1: As a result, it's of the utmost importance to them for this sort of you know, cycle to go on, right? By establishing that right, as you've been pointing out, right? By establishing the right, by establishing the precedents, by establishing their first move uh, advantages, by establishing a relationship between index providers and asset managers, you know, that you climb up the ladder and then you kick it out from underneath you, right? And that is something that puts them in a unique position to become an authority, right? To them seize upon Uh, the power waiting to be grabbed, right, or consolidated to move markets, right? And there are a few ways in which they're able to move markets uh, through this private authority, right? The main one that the researchers point out is Standard setting, right? As we've talked about before, when it comes to technology, right, standards are of the utmost importance because technology is an artifice and it's also political. It's, a, you know, technical systems have politics. And choosing what technical system is going to be pursued. Uh, for what reasons, why, how, who's going to be designed in mind for, so on and so forth, you're making a lot of political decisions, and similarly so, standards being set in corporate governance are making a lot of decisions about what type of relational you know dynamics are being allowed in a corporation, what types of corporations, what type of industries, what type of arrangements are going to be prioritized or excluded or included you know in this game of allocating capital, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, as they you know as they write, even when they adhere to minimal standards for firm inclusion into their indices, their influence is considerable. This kind of standard setting authority is essentially pronounced in the developed markets of Europe and North America because again, those are where two some of the largest you know institutional advantages exist for these uh, big three and their indexes, right? Secondly, there's also the fact that their decision-making power is even more important when you consider that, or when you consider emerging markets, right, you know, or what they call emerging markets, right? Index providers in emerging markets uh, decide which firms to include and exclude, as we have talked about huge decisions for capital flows, um, but they can include or exclude entire markets, right? They steer capital. To steer capital away or towards one industry over another has huge ramifications, not just for the people on the ground, but also for the state. Right? You know, this makes me think of in the '90s, Noam Chomsky used to talk about this metaphor for capital flows as a sort of a virtual Senate that could impeach social policies uh, mm-hmm. by, you know, uh, threatening capital strikes. Um, And redirecting capital flows and that international trade organizations should be best thought of as ways to formalize the ability of capital to veto uh, decisions pursued by governments elsewhere under the guise of hostility to investment right? Mm -hmm. Free markets and so on and so forth. Similarly here, uh, political economic implications for the state are that certain firms, certain structures, certain debts, certain liquidities, you know, certain arrangements are going to have to be pursued to fit into indice much in the way or similar in the way that states would have to restructure how they proceed economically or politically to qualify for uh, assistance from Western countries, Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think this is a really important point that one we, we keep harping on because it's important that the, the flip side to the private authority of index providers is this question of capital controls. I mean, there, there is no free market, right? There, there are instead decisions about what institutions have the authority to coordinate and choreograph the flow of capital, right? Is it the state? Well, not in the world we live in today. It's the index providers, right? They have that authority. It, it, it's it, never, never, never is there an instance where it's just this fucking like, Friedman esque, anarcho capitalist, right? Like whatever, you know, people just make their decisions, right? Maybe that was somewhat the case in the in the heyday of like like the the active hedge fund and equity fund uh, management, right, where you actually did have, like, individual stock pickers and portfolio managers and billionaires making decisions about where to put money. But that authority has now been outsourced, delegated to uh, another, like, really a transnational governing body of capital in the form of index providers hand-in-hand in hand with these passive asset managers. Now, before we get rolling on these, uh, the, the, these two forms of private authority that you just beautifully laid out...